Hi guys, welcome back to my podcast, A Tale Dark and Grim by Adam Gidwitz, a read aloud. So for episode three, we wrapped up and finished chapter three, The Seven Swallows. So today I believe we're going to be able to finish the fourth chapter, which is Brother and Sisters. And the fifth chapter is a pretty long one, so I'll definitely go ahead and start that one for us um, this episode, and then we will go ahead and wrap it up again in the next episode. So just to recap, um, at the end of chapter three, the seven sons um, of their third parent house that they've been in got turned into swallows, which is a type of bird, and flew off. So that chapter really detailed Hansel and Gretel's journey to find the brothers and um, return them back to their home. But of course they don't end up, Hansel and Gretel, don't end up staying with that family. So in chapter four, brother and sister, we will find out where they go next. And without further ado, I will begin. Once upon a time, a brother and a sister clasped hands, one of which was missing a finger, and strode out of the white mountains across green hills and into a large and wonderful wood. Trees towered above them like the pillars of heaven, strong and straight all the way up. Birds sang and flitted by their faces. Little rodents, chipmunks, squirrels, mice, dashed in and out of the underbrush. A fawn appeared and looked at them from behind a stand of ferns, and then bounded off after his mother. Everything was greener here, more full of life than anywhere Hansel and Gretel had ever been. The vibrant power of the place began to take hold of the children. Hansel rushed out ahead of his sister, bounding through the ferns and then running back again, like a dog that's been let off its tether. Greta laughed and sang and collected blue bottles and daisies and other wildflowers. We could make a life here, she shouted to her brother. Hansel hooted with delight and took off after a low-flying blackbird. Soon the two came to a clearing where there stood a magnificent tree. It rose to such heights that they could barely make out where the lowest branches began. Though they could see, if they looked really hard, a crown of green far above them. Gretel jumped when she noticed, in the wood of the tree, what appeared to be a woman's face. It was made of bark, with brown hair wrapping around its smooth cheeks and wide eyes. Gretel walked up to it, mesmerized. What a magnificent tree, she said. Thank you, the tree replied. Now, you might have expected Gretel to jump or Hansel to fall backward over a conveniently placed log, but neither did. The tree's voice was so gentle that neither child was startled at all. Welcome to my wood, she went on. It is called the Lebenwald, the wood of life. That's pronounced Lebenwald. Go ahead and say it. German is fun. Plant something, the tree went on, and watch it sprout before your eyes. Spy on the wild beasts and see them leap and bound and grow. You too 
will grow here and live and be happy. Her woody eyes drifted over them, and then she asked invitingly, Do you plan to stay? Hansel and Gretel looked at each other. She nodded and said, If you don't mind. I don't mind, the tree smiled and then added, But I ask of you one thing. Please take no more than you need. Life here exists in a delicate balance. Do not upset it. Then she told them that less than a league hence lay a lovely spot where they could build their home. The children thanked the tree because it is always best to thank talking trees. Then they bid her farewell and started for the place she had told them of. They soon came to a small clearing. Some large stones were partially buried in the earth there, and nearby a brook burbled and babbled over smooth rocks. The sun shone in through the green leaves. Hansel and Gretel agreed that this was the place the tree must have meant. They gathered fallen branches and fronds of fern and laid them against the great rocks so that a little hut was formed, half green, half gray. They gathered more ferns as well as moss and leaves and made two little beds for themselves side by side. Then Gretel gathered seeds to begin a garden and Hansel gathered nuts and berries for supper. That night they feasted. Gretel swore that nothing could make her happier, and Hansel agreed. They decided that they needed nothing else, certainly not parents, and that they would be able to live happily just like this for the rest of their lives. Yeah, right. Oh, did I say that out loud? The next day, Hansel was out gathering food for dinner as Gretel tended their garden. He walked beneath the towering trees and heard the birds singing as they flitted by. And he thought, what life, what excitement. I want to be part of it all. Just then, a brown rabbit ran across his path. Hansel felt his legs twitch. Before he knew it, he was pursuing the rabbit through the underbrush. As the sun set that evening, he walked back into the clearing, exhausted, but as happy as the chirruping birds. He had the rabbit in his hand. It was dead. He placed it before Gretel on the ground. Now we must make a fire, he said, and eat. But Gretel was upset. Why did you do that? She asked. We don't need this. Suddenly Hansel felt sorry for having killed the small beast, though he had enjoyed hunting it so. They made a fire and cooked the rabbit and ate it so it would not go to waste. But Gretel made him promise not to kill any more animals. We have everything that we need right here, she said. Remember what that tree told us. He felt bad and promised. But the next day, as he walked through the woods looking for nuts and berries, he saw a tiny baby fawn nosing a stand of fern. His legs began to twitch again and his heart began to race. He remembered what his sister had made him promise. He told himself to turn away. But there was something about the air here 
the color of the green, the musty scent of the wood that made him want to burst as he watched the tiny fawn among the fawns of fern. He couldn't help it. In a flash, he lit off after the frightened creature. As the sun set that evening, he walked back into the clearing, exhausted, but as happy as the little animals that rung among the underbrush. Over his shoulder was slung the fawn. He placed it before his sister on the ground. What have you done? She cried. He attempted to calm her. Now we can eat meat for a whole month, he said, and I won't have to kill another animal for a long, long time. She looked at him in disbelief and then began to weep bitterly over the dead fawn. Why did you do it? She muttered. We have all we need here. Remember what the tree said. Hansel suddenly remembered once more, and the remorse swept over him. That night, he tossed and turned. He was furious at himself. Hadn't she told him? Hadn't they both told him? Don't take more than you need. He and Gretel had eaten as much of the fawn as they could that night, and it looked as if they hadn't even touched it. Now, the carcass lay outside on the grass, attracting flies, its stench wafting over their beautiful clearing. As Hansel stared at it, he vowed to be his own master and not let his impulses carry him away again. The next day, before he went out to find fruit, Gretel made him swear on his very life that he would not kill anything else. He swore it and hugged her and kissed her for being so good and so forgiving, and he promised he would do nothing violent ever again as long as they remained in this forest. She kissed him on his forehead, as if he were much younger than she, and sent him off for the nuts and fruit. He spent the whole day basking in the lovely green light of the leaves, picking berries and storing them in his tattered shirt, which he had tied around his waist like an apron. He felt the peacefulness and the calm of the forest, and he wondered why he hadn't always been able to feel it, why he had been overcome the last two days with the uncontrollable animal lust. And then he saw a white dove perching on a nearby branch. Something tingled in his legs and arms. Don't, he told himself. It's wrong. He started to shake. Go home, turn away, go home. But he found himself creeping in the direction of the dove. The berries fell to the ground. As the sun set that evening, he walked back into the clearing, exhausted, but as happy as a sated wolf. Blood covered his arms and his face, and he carried in his hands the broken, eviscerated carcass of the white dove. Gretel screamed when she saw him. What have you done? She cried, Hansel, what's wrong with you? Hansel stopped. Then he looked down at the dead bird. He noticed that his arms were covered in blood and his shirt was stained with a mix of blood and berry juice. He wondered where the berries were. Gretel began to cry. Hansel, confused and upset, placed the dead dove at her feet. She backed away from it, covering her face. 
He looked at her and felt awful, but not as awful as he had felt the night before. He turned and walked back into the woods. Gretel saw Hansel only infrequently after that. Occasionally, as she was out collecting berries, she saw him running through the forest after some animal or other. At first, she had stopped to speak with him, just a few words each time. But soon she noticed that words were not coming as easily to him as they once had, and he was ever and always looking over his shoulder or following the flight of birds with jerky movements. Soon he wasn't stopping to speak with her at all. She found animal carcasses littered all over the forest. Some were half eaten, others barely touched. Once she found a wild boar, larger than Hansel, with its neck broken. She wondered how Hansel had the strength to do such a thing. She wondered how he had the heart to do it. She saw him only in flashes now, a blur of skin through the trees, the scream of dying animals, and then a howl of delight. She thought he looked different. He was growing hair on his face, on his back. She was frightened to be in the wood by herself, particularly at night. She heard howling, howling that she hadn't heard when they'd first come to the Leavenwood. She wondered if it was Hansel. She stayed closer and closer to the hut for fear of seeing him. Then one day, he wandered into the clearing. Gretel stared. He walked bent now. He had hair all over his body, his arms, his back, his face his chest. Wordlessly, she offered him a handful of berries and nuts. He snarled at her. She dropped them and hurried into the hut. He growled and stalked around the clearing for a few minutes. Gretel wondered if he would kill her, but he left. There were fewer animals in the forest these days. Gretel heard no birds in song. She saw no small rodents darting in and out of the underbrush. No deer nosed the stands on ferns. And then, early one morning, a hunting party, a duke and his household, entered the wood. They blew their horns, and their hounds bayed and barked. Gretel feared for herself, but more than that, she feared for Hansel. She crept into the hut and stayed there all day, hoping he would come to her. The dogs and the huntsmen scoured the forest for some sign of animal life. To their surprise, they found none. All day they searched, and all day they found nothing. The duke became angry and impatient, and then at dusk, he saw a strange, hairy, hunched creature peering out from behind a large tree. There, he bellowed, and instantly the dogs were in pursuit. Hansel fled through the wood, thrilling at the terror of the chase. The dogs bayed at his heels. The horns sounded all around him. He dodged this way and that, panting, growling, laughing, howling. What fun, he thought. What tremendous, terrifying fun. At last he came to the edge of a brook. Across the way, the duke sat astride his horse. His bowstring pulled tight. An arrow knocked and aimed at Hansel. The animal boy stared curiously at the sweating, red-faced man holding the strange bent stick. Then there was a snap and a hiss like a snake. An arrow flew through the air, a straight, simple harbinger of death. Hansel watched it all, the way to his chest. 
to exactly where his heart was. It buried itself there. He felt a searing bolt of pain and fell to the forest floor. The huntsman tied the strange, dead animal to a pole and carried him triumphantly back to the duke's manor. The next morning, Gretel ran through the wood, looking for her brother. For a long time, she found nothing but broken branches and paw prints. Then at last, she came to the brook and saw the earth stained a copper red, and the rocks at the water's edge spattered with blood. She ran to the tree with a face in it. My brother has been killed, she cried. He has been killed. But the tree would not speak to her. Gretel fell to the ground and sobbed and sobbed. She was alone in a great forest in a dark tale. Her father had tried to kill her. She'd nearly been eaten by the baker woman and had cut off her own finger. And now her brother, Hansel, was dead. She would not stay in that forest, not now. I need to go back to the people, she said, wiping tears from her face, to grown-ups. As she left the wood of life, she saw a bird alighting in the tree nearby. Soon she could hear the sound of birdsong again, but it only made it hurt more. They only came back, she knew, because Hansel was dead. We're at one of those places in the story, and they happen in nearly all stories of any kind when things seem to be really, really bad. When it feels like, if things get much worse, you won't be able to listen anymore. When I was little, I used to call this part the sad part. I knew it would happen in every story, and I knew it always ended eventually, and I would repeat. This is the sad part. This is the sad part over and over until it was done. And so, as I was piecing these stories together, I came to this part and realized that this was the sad part. I repeated this to myself again and again to try to make it not feel so terrible. But it didn't help. It never does. It still hurts when a character you love dies and another is left all alone in the world. Nevertheless, I will tell you, as I always tell myself, that things will get better. Much better, I promise. Just not quite yet. Alright, that was the end of chapter 4. So I am going to go ahead and start chapter 5. Um, and the title of this chapter is A Smile as Red as Blood. So... We shall see what happens in this chapter. Once upon a time, a little girl named Gretel walked down a wide, lonely road all by herself. She was as sad as a little girl can be, for the person whom she loved most in all the world was gone. After a time, she came to a small village that stood in the shadow of another great wood. This wood was as big as the last one, but no two woods could have been more different. Where the wood of life had been bright, inviting, and alive, this one was dark, forbidding, and dead. So forbidding that almost no one went in, and exactly no one came out. It was called the Schwarzwald, the Wood of Darkness. That's Schwarzwald, 
in case you were wondering. But the little village that stood near the Schwarzwald was not dark at all. No, no. It was ringed by trees that, when Gretel arrived, had just slipped into their golden robes of autumn. Laughter was in the air, as was the smell of wood burning in fireplaces and apple cider frothing with cinnamon. Gretel walked down the town's single road, looking in the warm windows of the little houses, wishing that someone might invite her inside for some food, cider, and a little human comfort. But all the doors remained closed to Gretel. She was very tired and very, very lonely, and on the verge of giving up. She sat down, and all her troubles overwhelmed her. She began to cry. Presently, the door to one of the houses opened, and a silver-haired woman came out. She went up to the little girl crying by the side of the road and asked her her name, and why she was all alone. Gretel told her that she and her brother had long ago run away from home, but that recently her brother had been killed and she didn't know where to go or what to do. The woman reached out to hold her, and Gretel fell into her arms and buried her face in the woman's neck. She took Gretel into her home and washed her and picked the knots from her hair and gave her old but clean clothes. Some weeks went by. Gretel had no thought now of where else she should go or what else she should do. For what sense did it make to do anything now that Hansel was gone? And that is how Gretel came to live with the silver-haired widow in the little village. Soon, Gretel was just another child there, and, though she carried a great sorrow around with her, she put on a brave face. It was the time of the harvest, and everyone worked all day long, including Gretel. In the evenings, when the autumn air became cool, the villagers would gather in and in front of the town tavern and drink and laugh and converse when the children ran about in their games. But Gretel had no heart to play, so instead she sat by the grown-ups and listened to their talk. There was one grown-up in particular who Gretel liked listening to. He was a young man, cheerful and kind, and he was very handsome. He had long black hair and green eyes flecked with gold that seemed to dance in the light, and it seemed to Gretel that the young man liked her too. For whenever he saw her looking at him, he would smile with lips of deep red, before she, blushing, could turn away. So she sat near him always and marveled at his easy jokes and his careless laughter and his wonderful eyes. Occasionally, he would leave the grown-ups in the tavern and go out among the children. He would tease them gently and lift them up, and all of them, particularly the girls, loved him. Sometimes, a child would bring to the handsome young man a toy that was broken. It would be a porcelain doll with a finger that had cracked off, or a wooden king that had lost its head. The handsome young man would draw from his pocket a tattered piece of twine. He would hold the toy between his knees and tied the twine around the broken place. When he unwound the twine, the toy was as good as new. The children would cry aloud and clap their hands, and the handsome young man would smile. Then he would go back to the tavern with the grown-ups. Each day, as the sky turned from pale blue to rich purple to black, Gretel would watch the handsome young man say his farewells, 
slip out of the tavern door, and disappear into the darkness. Out of the village, all alone, she wondered where he went. Well, one warm afternoon, when the last of the barley had been brought in from the fields, Gretel sat by the door of the tavern and watched the men play their favorite game. They played like this. One man balanced a mug on his chin, and everyone else tried to throw coins into it. If the mug didn't fall, the man got to keep all the coins. If it did, he had to buy everyone a drink. It was the young man's turn to have the mug on his chin, and Gretel watched as he weaved about like a snake, being charmed, trying to prevent the mug from falling. Just then, one of the young man's friends appeared at Gretel's shoulder. Give him a shout, the friend whispered. See if he can hold it then. Gretel thought this was a funny idea, so she called the young man's name loudly. He was startled, for never before had Gretel spoken to him. He turned to her, and as he did, the mug went crashing to the ground. The men cheered, and the man who had put her up to it threw his head back and laughed till he was red from his collar to the top of his bald plate. But the young man's golden green eyes were wide, and suddenly he rushed at Gretel. His hands were stretched out before him like claws. Gretel screamed as he caught her hard around the waist, and then in a moment she was swooping through the air, her long blonde hair streaming out behind her, and his strong arms holding tightly onto her hips. And he was laughing! A beautiful, joyous laugh, his head thrown back and his eyes shining. <laughs> he placed her on the ground again and smiled at her, and Gretel was breathless. He rubbed her head as if she were a puppy and then turned to lead the other men into the tavern. Gretel had been fascinated by the young man before, but in that moment, when he held her high in the air and his gold and green eyes were sparkling and his red lips were curving and he was laughing, laughing with her and her alone. Well, at that moment, Gretel had passed beyond fascination. In that moment, Gretel had fallen in love. It wasn't real love, you might say, just a child's infatuation. You might say that, but if you did, it would prove that you are already old and that you don't remember what it is like to be a child at all. Every day after that, Gretel made sure to be near the handsome young man with the green eyes and the black hair and the red lips. He would talk to her and make her laugh and steal apples from the harvest barrels for her. And she wondered why she should be so lucky as to get all of this attention from him. One day, soon before the great harvest feast, as the day's work in the orchards was coming to a close and all the ladders were being folded up and taken in, Gretel noticed a large, beautiful apple still hanging from the bough of a tree above her head. She tried to jump for it, to grab it and put it in the barrels before a bird saw it and packed holes into it but it was too high for her to reach. So she called to the handsome young man, asking him to come over and pluck it. He came and smiled at her, but it was too high for him too. So he took her by the hips and lifted her into the air, and she gasped, <gasps> as she always gasped when he touched her. And then she was high enough in the air to reach the apple, and she picked it. And then, instead of putting her down, he threw her into the air, 
Gretel screamed, but not in fear. And he caught her and threw her up again. And she was laughing. And he threw her up a third time. But this time he threw her too near to an overhanging branch. And she reached up to protect her head, but too late. And she cried out in pain. When he lowered her to the ground, red blood was running in a narrow rivulet down her face. Her forehead had struck the branch and left a deep cut just above her eyebrow. She was having trouble seeing out of her left eye through the steady stream of blood. The young man knelt before her. He gazed at the cut. Very gently, very slowly, he applied his lips to it and he sucked the blood away. Gretel did not know what to think of that. Then he took from his pocket a piece of tattered twine that he used to fix the children's toys, and he wrapped it around her head so that it ran crosswise over the cut. He smiled at Gretel, and when he took the twine away and wiped the blood from Gretel's face, she saw that the bleeding had stopped and that her head no longer hurt at all. All right, so we're just about at 30 minutes. So I'll go ahead and stop there. Not quite halfway through the chapter quite yet. So we'll see next episode um, how far we get through it. But I hope you guys enjoyed.